Welcome, dear friends, to Kardec Radio at 11 p.m., nourishing our souls with the best that we have, lifting hope, and we're saying the best of these teachings. It's always here at Kardec Radio, all the programs. You have seen how many programs are coming up, right? And this Monday, a new program with Deborah, Beldovix comes back on Mondays, but every day we have new programs and it's a joy to share all this nourishment with you, dear friends. Mm -hmm. Lifting Hope. Lifting Hope is a therapeutic conversation based on the book, Memoirs of a Suicide. What a joy, huh? What a joy to talk about a book that redefines our lives. You may say, but Vanessa, is it a joy to talk about suicide? No, but the mercy behind it, right? And the lessons that we're learning. This far, we have learned with Yvonne Pereira and Camilo, the spirit author, the medium Yvonne, Camilo, the spirit author, the beauty of decisions in life. Today, we are going to march to the second part of a case in chapter 4. Jerónimo, Jerónimo and his family. He wants to visit his family. Fair enough. Right? Brother Theocrito, the director of the institute, understands and says, okay, you shouldn't. You're not prepared. But it seems like you need to learn it through experience. So how about us, friends? We know we should and should not, and yet we do it. Hmm. So what happens next? We suffer in our own skin, the consequences of it all, right? Mm-hmm. So welcome, friends. Welcome to this beautiful moment here at Kardec Radio, always nourishing our souls. I can see here. I can see through the phone. Carol Correa is here. Adilson is here. Welcome, Adilson. I can see Teresa Castro. I can see Sunshine, Sol Souza, Jailton. Long time no see you, Jailton. And I know there are many friends, but I can't see everyone. I don't know. How else could we manage this? But if you say something, I will see you. Okay? Now, let's go back. Jerônimo. Jerônimo. He's in the spiritual realm. He's in a group, Camilo's group. He wants to see his family. He's not allowed, but then he begs for it. And they say, okay, you go, but it's your responsibility. Of course, he has guards with him. And today, we're going to see how this goes. Are you ready? Buckle up. Because emotions are going to come. This is a very emotional chapter. It's not easy. Ready? So, Assistant Romeo proceeded to give orders to the security department about the expedition. Look how organized, how caring, how loving. They don't say, yeah, yeah, go. 
and on your own, they say it's your responsibility, but we're going to give you security. We're going to be there with you. This is the beauty, friends. He is behaving like a toddler. Yes, Jerónimo is behaving very much like a toddler. I want it. A toddler that is not well-educated, I would say, because not all toddlers are like this. But one that needs firmer instructions. Jerónimo is like that. I want it, and I want it now. And if I don't get it now, I'm going to be upset, and I'm not going to learn anything. That's, these are precisely the words. Are we like this in life? Because if we are, we're going to hit hard on the bumps of the road. Hopefully, we're going to learn with Geronimo. Thank you, Geronimo. So, Olivier de Guzman, attentive director, contacted the section of external relations to furnish two watchful guides to accompany Geronimo to Earth. It would not be acceptable too acceptable to abandon a still inexperienced and frail ward of the Legion of the Servants of Mary to the pearls of such an excursion. Two guides were assigned. One, Ramiro de Guzman, okay, who is the head of the caravans that visit the Valley of Suicides. And another one. Camilo says, hello, friends, what a joy. We were beginning to understand that in this model institute, the most advanced posts, those entailing the highest responsibility and hazardous tasks, those demanding the greatest amount of energy, will, knowledge, and virtue were occupied by these handsome and striking personages whose high moral and intellectual qualities we had acknowledged since the very first days. A suitable expedition was prepared under Guzman's order, including lancers for protection. Hello, Adriana Lemos. How have you been? Welcome to Kardec Radio. So friends, you'll be surprised to know, hello sunshine, how are you? You know, you'll be surprised to know an expression that Camilo says here. In the meantime, a palpable transformation had come over poor Geronimo, a self-obsession involving the visit to his family had taken hold of his faculties and made him oblivious to everything else around him. Stop. Self-obsession. What is self-obsession? Self-obsession is when we have a single idea and we only think about that. And it's not a very healthy idea. Before we become obsessed, we have single ideas, negative single ideas about ourselves or about people related to us. Oh, you may say, oh my gosh, I think I'm self-obsessed. It's hard to find somebody on earth who is not. 
Elo Raquel Bakeshi. Elo Judas Santos. Judas Tateu Magalhães Santos. So what about that? Hmm? What do you think? Assessment question. Where do you think you are regarding self-obsession? Are you focused on these repetitive single ideas that are making you, you know, not evolve as fast as you want and deterring you? Self-obsession? Are you? Because hmm? if we are, we need to get out of it. How? By diversifying it. That's why we need to read, to study, instruct ourselves to open new thoughts, new feelings about ourselves and others. You and I need to do these exercises. Get out of the loop. Shh. And in his case, it says here, He was reintegrating himself more than ever to his former condition on earth. A rich Portuguese entrepreneur, a wine trader, mindful of social opinions, a slave to convention, a devoted and loving head of a family. He was a weird, he was wearing a well-cut coat, etc. Talking about the physical part of it. Tightly guarded and traveling in a discreetly enclosed vehicle. Geronimo actually looked like a prisoner. However, he appeared not to be aware of it. Totally absorbed, he seemed not to even notice. Ramiro Guzman and others. Aren't there people who are like this? They're so self-absorbed. They don't even pay attention to the family members and others. They're always thinking about their little things. Self-obsession. They don't even need obsessors because they are restricting themselves as we speak. Are you like this? Are we like this? We need to change. Mm -hmm. Hello, John De Rosa. Hello, Marilda. Right? Thank you, Judas Tadeu. You're in Colorado. That's wonderful. The Spirit is centered there. The Spirit is group in Denver. Welcome, welcome. So, the vehicle that was transporting them going, was going on, okay? And I'm going to cut short. They go through gloomy roads, gorges covered in dark clouds, mud-covered valleys, swamps. So, they're going through from where they are to the cross of the earth. And... The Lancers and everybody carried the banner, Legion of Mother, the, of, uh, Mother Mary's servants. And they say that when the Spirit saw it, they had, they bowed in, bowed in, the, in the respect. Some were screaming, crying, uttering blasphemies. And then, suddenly, he sees Portugal. He says, oh, Portugal, our dear homeland. Oh, we have, and thank you, God. He sees Portugal, where he used to live. He goes to the city of Oporto, 
He sees the streets, old friends. He sees his house. He says, this is my house. He enters and he says, Margarita, daddy is home. Where are you? He tries to find the son, Albino. The wife, Zumira, he doesn't find anybody. He searched the whole house, but he finds nobody. Where are they? Unfamiliar figures were moving around the rooms. They had belonged to the family, disregarding his cries and interrogations, totally unaware of his presence. They were incarnate individuals, the new inhabitants of this his old house, the furniture, the decor, the decor, everything was different, throwing him in great confusion. And then he sees on a wall calendar, November 6, 1903. He's chilled, he's in terror. He searched for his past. He's confused. He lost track of time. He says it was still that same for him the day when he died, February 15th, 1890. So we're talking about 16 years later. He comes back. Nobody's there. He wanted to ask the neighbors where his family was, since everything indicated that it had moved. But the Lancers, the guards, standing at the door, crossed their weapons to form an unsurpassable barrier, thus preventing his, his thoughtless escape and obliging him to return to the vehicle that had taken him there. Observe this. He's in the spiritual realm being treated. He says, oh, I want to see my family. They say, you can't, but I want to see you. You can't see it. Can't. Okay, go. You're on your own, but we're going to send guards. He comes. He sees the house, doesn't fight them. He wants to ask the neighbors limits. Interesting, huh? This part of the chapter shows to us that we have free will, but there's a limit. Free will and a limit. Free will and a limit. Does he like it? No. Do we like it? No. Right? Majority of us don't like it. We see the limits and we're like, ah, kicking and screaming. No. I want it. I want it. I want it. And we think only toddlers are like this. Adults. Incarnates and discarnates throw tantrums without noticing. It's cute in children, but in adults, it doesn't look good. So the Lancers block his way and say, no, 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 no. Preventing his thoughtless escape and obliging him to return to the vehicle. Protesting vehemently against his confinement. The poor wretch attracted the attention of curious Spirits still bound to the ways of the earth. And then the spirits started mocking him, making jokes in front of him, saying, oh, you want to know the whereabouts of your much-loved family, you miserable prince of fine wines, 
shouted the wicked spirits. Well, we are happy to inform you that they were evicted several years ago. Your creditors took the house and the few valuables you had hidden away for your family at the last minute. You can find your son Albino in the Lisbon Penitentiary. Your little Margarita is on Ribeira Wharf selling fish, goods, and cheap love to anyone who will open their wallet to her. She's being exploited by her own mother, your wife Zulmira, whom you accustomed to a luxury above your means and whose pride never let her used to dignified work and humble living. Your daughters Marguerite, Marietta, and Arinda? Well, the former is married and the mother of sickly children living in abject poverty, enduring hunger and beaten by a brutal and drunken husband. The latter is a maid in a cheap hotel cleaning floors. You are astonished by this. You tremble in horror? Why? What did you think would happen? Isn't this the inheritance you left them with your suicide, you miserable wretch? Who said this? The wandering spirits. So now he received these insults. He shocked. In spite of it all, Jerónimo, the rebellious word of the legion of the servants of Mary, demanded that he be taken to his son, the beloved son, in prison. So he sobbing and he's demanded the guards to take him to prison where he visits Albino. He visits Albino. He exchanged thoughts with Albino, though Albino doesn't know okay, that he's, that Geronimo is there. So Geronimo listened to him as if he were talking in a loud, clear voice. Forgive me, Lord God, our Father, grant me your mercy in this terrible stage of my life. It was not really my desire to fall into this terrible abyss to which I have been condemned forever. I so much wanted to be good, O oh Lord, but I lacked the help of generous hands and favorable circumstances. I was completely abandoned after my father's death. Da, 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 da. So he understood that his son is now in prison thanks to his suicide. The consequences of the suicide led Albino, his son, to make mistakes that led him to jail. These somber and bitter thoughts reverberated in the conscience of the father's suicide like daggers. He saw himself as the sole guilty part in the insoluble disasters of his son. Disoriented, Geronimo rushed to the young man with an uncontrollable desire to make amends. Now pay attention to this because this is profound. This is a lesson, again, limits to Geronimo's whim. So here we have 
Geronimo rushed to the young man with the uncontrollable desire to make amends for such profound grief by offering his presence. His perennial parental care, his indissoluble love, his protecting loving arms. The guilty father wanted to explain himself and beg forgiveness, to give his son the advice, etc. But it was in vain. Albino just continued to weep. Recognizing that he was powerless to help his imprisoned son, poor Geronimo himself began to weep and to emit negative vibrations. Now, make a note of this. This is super duper important. So the son is said, the father discarnated, feeling guilty, is weeping, but he's emitting negative emotions. And because his presence released discouragement and disseminated noxious waves of tormenting thoughts that could be harmful to the prisoner's fragile state of mind, perhaps as far as instilling him the dismay that leads to suicide, the doctor Ramiro de Guzman and his assistant interfered and stopped him, hiding Albino from his sight. Let's return to our place of peace, my friend, where you will find rest and gentle solution for your pain. Please do not refuse. Stop. How often we think, oh, I love so much, and we start crying, and we think we're helping. Those are negative vibrations. What you're saying, what you're doing, and the good spirits are like, oh, no. This is just bringing discouragement. We need to become encouragers. Think about, if you come close to somebody, and all you have to say is nagging, complaining. There's nothing else. Seriously. Zipper. We're not going to help family members by, oh my gosh, life's so hard. My work is so difficult. What do you expect on earth? We need to be less negative. We need to be less negative. What about that? What do you think, friends? Hmm? What do you think? Can you assess it? Negative vibrations, releasing discouragement and disseminating noxious ways of tormenting thoughts that can be harmful to people? So Geronimo, it seemed that he had not suffered enough to heed to the warnings of the spirit guides. He says, excuse me, but I cannot, shouted Geronimo stubbornly. I will not go before seeing my daughter, my little Margarita. I have to see her too. I need to silence the throng of scoundrels that are defaming her. My youngest one, Romy, da-da-da-da-da-da, I trust Omira. And the good spirits say, oh, well, here he comes. They take him to the harbor. Fishermen, people who were there for other purposes, prostitution as well. 
female fishmongers, peddlers of trinkets. Geronimo started to walk the docks, closely followed by the lancers and the patient assistant. He stopped abruptly in a bewildered state of alarm. He had just recognized Zumira gesticulating in a heated discussion with a young blonde woman who was deaf defending herself against the unjust and fury accusations against her. That was Zumira, dressed almost like a lady, although it did not keep her from behaving like a peddler. The shameful discussion was about the daily take. Zulmira was a, the mother was accusing her daughter, Margarita, of stealing her part. Ashamed and humiliated, the young woman denied it amid tears, affirming that not all of her clients had paid her debts. In the heat of the argument, Zulmira slapped her daughter. Not one around them seemed surprised. No one tried to stop the violence or calm the tempers. So I will sum it up to you. He sees that he is prostituted, that his wife is prostituting the daughter. They are living in the worst conditions. Their walk was short. And he observed that he was leaving behind Margarita, who was alone, and next to her, the father, who was totally inconsolable. It was in this humiliating condition of guilt that the ward of the servants of Mary received the severest punishment that the ominous and brutal act of suicide could inflict on his conscience. This is the bitter summary of Margarita's tragic story, so common in today's society. Every day, unconscionable fathers desert their sacred responsibilities as heads of their family, and vain and thoughtless mothers lack the sublime valor that an accomplished duty confers on its heroes, wander from their past due to the brutal jolts of uncontrolled passions unrestrained by the perversion of customs. Rendered fatherless at seven years of age, the pretty blonde Margarita, fragile and delicate, grew up in poverty amid rebelliousness and incomprehension with a mother who accustomed to pride as well as to vanities, never resigned herself to the financial and social decadence that had overcome her after her husband's tragic demise. Zumidas prostituted herself, trying in vain to recover her former position. Through this blameworthy and reprehensible means, along the way she dragged her inexperienced children, child into the muck that had contaminated her. Defenseless and ignorant, she fell. In profound despair, 
confronted with the impossibility of immediately helping his poor daughter, of taking, of talking to her, at least of infusing her soul with the consolation of his presence and advice, Geronimo reached the limit of his folly and succumbed to the madness of his inconformity. At the imperceptible signal from Ramiro de Guzman, the lenses came forward. They surrounded Geronimo, shielding him against the parable of possible escape and took him away quickly. Sympathetic to Margarita's misfortune, Ramiro, who had also been a father of beloved daughter that was perhaps even more unfortunate, tenderly approached the young woman. He placed his protecting hands on her forehead and transmitted gentle, comforting and encouraging magnetic energies. Margarita laid down her bed and went into deep sleep under the paternal blessings of Mary's servant. And then he said to Geronimo, enough with your folly, brother Geronimo. You have reached the limit of the disobedience and stubbornness that our patients can tolerate. You do not want to face the fact that you cannot do anything on behalf of your children as long as you yourself have not acquired the indispensable qualities still lacking in you. Can't you see that your children strangling under the weight of terrible deprivation would fatally succumb to suicide just like you if you remained around them? Influencing their defenseless sensibilities with your nefarious vibrations? Pause. Responsibility, Mentor Joseph says, vibratory responsibility. Are we helping the people in our lives or are we sharing these nefarious vibrations, creating more turmoil in people's lives to the point that they become discouraged and depressed? We need limits. Geronimo is being an instrument of a lesson for us. We need to double check our rebelliousness and stubbornness. And you may say, well, Nis, say something happy. Happy. Seriously, life is good, but it will be even better if we are less stubborn, less rebellious, less childish. We need to grow up. And what does it mean? The rational part of us. We need to stop doing things just because we want the way we want. That's ego. No, 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 no. If you go somewhere, people don't treat you, treat you right. Pray for them. The good spirits are going to give you good strategies to come around and make amends. If it doesn't happen, well, it's not your fault. If people don't like us, who cares? I mean, many people still don't like Jesus and he's the governor of the planet. We can't be that rebellious. We can't feel entitled to things we do not merit yet. Right?
Let's head back, Geronimo. Let's return to the hospital. Or do you still want to see your other children? As if struck by renewing forces, the wretch enjoyed an instant of respite from his madness to ponder for a few moments. He shook off the desperate hallucinations that blinded his reason and answered, No, 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 my dear friend, that's enough. I cannot go on. My poor children, I threw you into such an abyss. I, you, I, your father, who loved you so much, forgive me, brother Teocritus. Now I understand. Forgive me, brother Teocritus. And then they returned. From that day on, Geronimo, Geronimo was no longer part of our group. Consequences. He goes back, but he doesn't go back to the group. Why? He's not at their level. He needs a different treatment. That happens to us in our daily lives. Sometimes we're evolving with a group of people. And then we take a different route. We want to go back. But it's not the same. Because we're not on the same page. That happens in spiritual centers. We're rebellious, stubborn, egotistic. We give our tantrums. We want things our way because we know it. And then, so common, you leave. When you come back, it's not the same. What does it mean? Humility. We need to be humble to start anew. You will see in the next chapter what's going to happen to Geronimo. But he learned a hard lesson. He thought that by visiting his family, he would go happy. He would be happy. Happier. But it was the opposite. And the mentor said, don't go there. But he wanted it. Now he goes back and it's even harder for him. What are the things that we want and we shouldn't? Can we be less rebellious? You know, Tara Brack, the Buddhist psychologist, she wrote a book named Radical Acceptance. I think that's the antidote to stubbornness and rebelliousness. Because once we face the facts and we say, I surrender, radical acceptance. Oh, but I want so much, so much, so much. And God is saying, don't. So much, so much, so much, don't. One day we'll be allowed. Bad. Big mistake. You may be asking, what do we need to do in the next 24 hours to be stronger, to feel the scriptures? Let's practice something together, shall we? Radical acceptance. Of what? Of anything. Huh? What? Meaning. Like Jesus. Judas was coming. He knew Judas was betraying him. Giving him a kiss. The guards were there. What did he do? Radical acceptance. He didn't kick and scream. He was like, okay. Take me. 
that's radical acceptance. Shall we practice it in the next 24 hours to tame the winds inside of us? To educate that little toddler inside of us? Huh? Shall we? That's the exercise. Right now, we are inviting you to a prayer. Because we're studying a book that invites us to pray specially for those who are in the valley of suicide. Shall we? I'm going to put the Ave Maria, of course, since we're talking about the works of our legion. Let us team up with her. Shall we? This is service now. You want to join us? If you're watching or listening to this on demand, stop what you're doing. And let's pray together. That service, it's in this book. Let us pray together, shall we? Yes, visualize Mother Mary now. Can we visualize her? Visualize her, please. Hmm? Let us visualize Mother Mary with us and pray. Can you feel it? Oh, Mother Mary. We are here with you, joining forces. You may have rescued us in the past. God knows. God knows it. And we are forever thankful. Today we are here in different states of the United States, different countries around the world, joining forces in a current of prayer, hoping that those who are feeling the hurts and the pains of their suicide feel the loving embrace in your warm blue robe or cape, however we call it, a blanket, may it be poured onto them as a shower of healing light. And your servants find easier way to the rescuing of them. We pray to lift up our hopes and the hopes of everyone. We hope that those who are right now in the world thinking of committing suicide stop and hear a voice saying, you're a child of God, you're loved. Hold on, there is a new solution. You're loved. There is another solution for your problem. Wait. Calm yourself. Everything shall pass. Everything shall pass. 
everything shall pass. Thank you, Mother Mary, for your wonderful service that illuminates our lives and reminds us of the power of love. May we be easier in the hands of God as his co-creators, learning with you, dear mother, the beauty of obeying God unconditionally, trusting his designs, knowing that he knows best. May we stay under your guidance, protection, and permission today and always, and so be it. Thank you, friends. Until tomorrow, God willing, in another Lifting Hope moment. Many blessings.